Hi, and welcome to Driving Leadership. I'm David Foster. I'm Mike Metcalf. And I'm Sean Pete. Tonight's topic is what is humility's place in leadership? This is a massive topic. I suspect that we will revisit this over and over and over again. We're going to start here with the same format that worked out very well last week. Each of us is going to take a position or an idea, and then it's up to the other two to question that person into oblivion. Once again, the order is set. Mr. Metcalf is going to go first, Sean is going to go second, and then I will do the third half. Mike, start us off. What is humility's place in leadership? Uh, you know, I, I just think that it's impossible to grow and mature as a leader without humility. Like, I think that, you know, most of us that get into our positions, we grow into our competence and our experience over time. Um, but if you don't have humility on that journey, I just think you miss a lot. And I think your capacity for, for impact is, uh, you know, just, just never quite get there. And what would you count as growth for a leader? Yeah, um, ability to listen, um, ability to see around corners, ability to adapt, uh, ability to learn, ability to unlearn. Uh, I mean, that list goes on and on and on. What happens to a leader when they don't have enough humility to grow? Yeah, the, the ability, see, you know, we, we've, I think we've said it before, but you doing your job doesn't make you a better leader. Um, and so without humility, I think we wrongfully think that us just showing up and checking our boxes uh, means that we're doing a good job. Um, and, and so often we talk about that thin line between being good and great and success and failure. And so much of that is, is, is depending upon us as leaders continually adapting, continually sharpening our tools and continually challenging what the status quo is for our business and, and with our people. Pushing and challenging people, requiring them to grow, uh, can't happen unless you're doing it as a leader. I agree. And that's hard. I think, you know, David, I think that growth is stunted by by people's misconception of humility and leadership, right? I think humility gets knocked because, um, you know, it's unfairly linked to, like, subversiveness or weakness mm -hmm. right um and and i think that's a miss for a lot of leaders I, I really do i think humility great leadership we've talked about this before great leadership is servant leadership right and and uh oprah had a quote what she said was when you are in service you will find significance and when you are significant because of your service success will not be able to stay away from you right but that service part the foundation of that is humility Right. And, and, and like I said, to grow or build on anything, you want a solid foundation. So what Mike's talking about with growth is it has to begin with humility. Right? Humility is the thing that allows you to think that maybe you're wrong or maybe mm. that you're not the smartest person in the room or that, you know, all these things, um, you know, that, that you see in great leadership. So, Mike, is that something that we can measure? Can we measure how humble somebody is in relation to their their path of growth and maturity yeah but i don't want to ruin uh, your topics so uh, we'll circle back around to this but i think it's it's less about measuring and more about trajectory more about the the, the uh you know the direction that you're headed 
Uh, I'm gonna jump into this. I um was reading over this weekend. It's uh, Saint Benedict it was an old, I think, priest, um, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Wrote like this twelve step ladder toward living a humble life. And I'm not gonna go through all twelve. There's like a eight step kind of thing, and and number one is you know acknowledge you're not the center of the universe. You know there's a higher power that kind of thing. Um, a God, you know that kind of deal. Uh, number two would be um. Realize that, you know, sometimes your opinion or what needs to be done, you know, sometimes should be second to somebody else's. It's okay to take a back seat. Then it comes into willing to subject yourselves to the teachings of others or direction of others. Then it's in patient and accepting the difficulties of others. It takes humility to understand that other people that maybe are on my team may not have the capacity to get this right now. Okay, now what do we do? I work with them? Do I fire them? Do I yell them? And so that's a step, a very important step, right in the middle. Uh, and then it's important for you to be um, honest about your own shortcomings, right? Like we all have those. Even though that we're in charge, doesn't mean that we're not screwing things up. Um, just challenging your own morality is the next one. Sometimes we think we know the right thing, and sometimes we don't. Right? There's always the truth. And then the other person's truth. And then usually the truth is actually somewhere in the middle. Um, and then it's um, the ability to speak with increasing restraint. And then the last step would be, you know, the ability to be transformed, to, to be a completely different person or experience than what maybe you thought was or, or, or would be needed in a specific instance. And so when I when I think about steps like that and there's so many more tools and kind of, you know, summaries of what humility looks like but I think some of the main ones for leaders are accepting the difficulties of others right mm -hmm. Ex expecting and, and understanding that people may not people might let you down and that's okay um, understanding that I don't know it all you know we talked before about spotters and and for the how important they are for for race car drivers we just left uh, the Indianapolis road course and there's a lot of so typically there's one spotter per team at a road course where there's many more twists and turns there's up to four to five spotters and so the more twists and turns that you're gonna have in your life the more people that you need looking out for you so Understanding that, hey, I don't have all the solutions is super, super important. Um, and then again, you know, the ability to, to, to speak less, to hold your tongue. You know, I mean, how many leaders do you all wish knew that, you know, as we were coming up? I mean, I can tell you how many times I've been ripped apart for stuff. And I'm like, I can't believe we're that upset about something that's little, you know. Um, and then again, just being able to kind of transform who you are, how you think. Um, what do I not know? Um, and just having, I think that kind of summarizes humility is the, the ability to be able to, to change your mind, to, to do a different way, to move off of this is the way we've always done it. Or this is what the historical context, you know, kind of like sets before us. And uh, so, yeah, so those are kind of like my things that, that I think that every leader should think about when they think about them growing as a leader. A lot of that's interpersonal, but a lot of that affects how you communicate with others. And we all know that without an incredible ability to communicate with others, your ability for impact as a leadership, you know, as a leader, uh, will never see its full potential. Yeah. And David, I don't think, uh, I don't think humility is something that shows up on your whoop or your 
your Garmin, uh, your Garmin <laughs> watch, right? I think, uh, you know, I think it can be seen like Mike's saying in, in the behavior that that leader models, right? Um, are they willing to admit mistakes? Are they willing to promote others? Are they willing to be in the background, right? Are they willing to be collaborative? You know, I think, I think those are all hallmarks of, of leadership with humility. Yeah, it seems like what you're really talking about there is the ability to connect with people allows you or even encourages you to become a better leader. And it's incredibly hard to connect with people if you're not humble enough to be on their level and listen to what they have to say, even if you have more skills and experience. Yeah, I mean, most, I mean, we hear it, Sean and David, I'm sure you do as well, hear it all the time that my boss only listens to respond. (laughs) You know, uh, I've stopped sending my boss advice or feedback because he or she doesn't listen. And it takes the humility just to understand, you know, like it's a it's a bridge. It really is in, in organizations. It's a it's a gateway to to deeper conversations and meaning and, and, and innovation. And so, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent what you're saying, David, if if we don't have that common ground where we can see each other eye to eye and, and appreciate and value what the other person's saying. Um, some people might call it bad listening, but I think the deeper core core issue is is maybe a lack of humility. Mike, what do you think motivates leaders to stay away from humility? Like if it if say if we're something close to right or you're something close to right and you can't grow or mature very well as a leader without having some sense of humility, why would a leader not embrace that? I just think it's not modeled very well. Mm. You know, um, you know, you look at all the the great generals and sports figures, and all you know, so many of them just had such bravado, and um, they were they were the challengers. You know, they had it right. They they were knocking down the the giants, and they didn't. They had extreme confidence, right? And so sometimes you know people mistake that for not really needing to listen to anybody's opinion, you know, like, Hey, I have this mission and I'm going to execute it. And that's all that matters. Um, and that could, you know, every now and then that works and it's good. But generally speaking, when it comes to working with teams and mobilizing people, you you need to have an element of humility in there so that there's buy-in and, and, and uh, cohesion. Mike, you talked about, you know, humility is growth, right? And, and as a leader, if you have humility, all these things grow underneath you. What if you don't have humility? Is humility something that you can grow even though, is it something you can grow in its absence? Right? If someone doesn't have humility, can they gain humility and how do they go about doing that? That is, that is tough um, because it, it would take some level, I mean, even a, you know, little tiny salt grain of humility to go to someone and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not good at taking advice from people. I'm not good at listening to others. I'm not good at seeing the flaws in myself or other people. Um, I think this team revolves around me and, and I want to change some of that. It's going to take a little bit of humility to go to somebody and say, Hey, can you help me with that? Um, and generally speaking, I find that 
humility does not tend to grow uh, in isolation. Typically, people that are on a track like what I was talking about or people that are wanting to grow, they're going to do that together. They're going to do that with a mentor, with somebody who can help them along the way. And so um, without going to somebody and saying, hey, can you help me in this area? I, I just don't see a way forward. I mean, and it's that's it's a bleak answer, right? But I just, yeah. I mean, I'm not the oldest guy in, in the room here, but I just have never seen it. Oh, thanks a lot. Well, I'm just, I mean, you know, in, on the podcast for everybody listening, you know, yeah. um, just in general. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be some old wise sage that's lived, you know, 80 years and is looking back on life, but just the people and coaches and leaders I've been around that have the answers on day one. They tend to have them all and. Right. In year 10. First, there, there are some benefits to being older because, for example, I know that when St. Benedict and I were in high school together, he was not like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's speaking from his experience. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But I think also, at, at least in my experience, I would say that there are often some really big challenging events that motivate people to look inward uh, if they're not humble because in a way they've run out of other excuses. And especially when they're isolated and especially when they're some version of a micromanager or they think they're always the smartest person in the room. And then when things start to go sideways, it's tough for them to find other reasons that things aren't working out and that may motivate them to look at themselves. It's not a lot of fun. It really isn't. But, you know, Sean, to your question about can they develop humility? Yes. But sometimes it takes a, a fairly big event to make that happen. Yeah, I agree. I think karma is the uh, karma or... <laughs> overruling providence is the best inducer of uh, humility that's out there. Right. You know, often it's a big life event or something catastrophic or something that finally is the concrete pipe over the head that's like, oh, wait a second. Maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe I've told myself a story that I'm this, this, and this, and I'm none of that. Right. So, you know, I think you're right. It, it, it can come along, um, but it's a pretty massive force that, that's going to make you know, make force a person to have a turnaround. Yeah. And to a certain extent, we're talking to people who are a self-selected or self-edited group. So right. if you quote unquote, know that you're the smartest person in the room and that you know that you have all the answers, what the hell are you doing? listening to a podcast about humility. That's for people who are wrong. Right. 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 Yeah. Good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe we can save somebody some time, you know, um, like you said, I can think of, some catastrophic events where somebody was there's an easy way, a easier route to humility, or there's a really rough one, you know, pick the easy one, I guess would be my advice. You don't want to see your family crumble, your business crumble. You're in the, the news, you're bankrupt or, you know, like there's, there's ways to avoid some of these things in life, I think. Right. And I think one like very obvious path, you know, takes a page out of exposure theory. And if, you're even in the position where you're questioning whether you're humble enough and if you're humble enough then 
going to see somebody and just sort of floating that question when there's no stakes on the table, that's a great way to start. And once you realize that you can survive that, maybe you can survive more. And that's a really good path, especially compared to losing your business, your marriage, your house, and your personal reputation, just because you don't want to admit that maybe you don't have all the answers all the time. I mean, I think I think we can drop the mic right there, David. But, I mean, people people pay a lot of money to get advice, like to get that last paragraph that you just said. You know, so you don't you don't have to be nice to me because you made fun of my high school classmate. I thought you were older than that. I was I was thinking like uh, uh, King Tut and some of those guys. He was a class ahead of me. Um, so we can move on to the second half for Sean's position. What's humility's place in leadership? Uh, you know, my position on this is is there's a very fine line between humility and imposter syndrome. Mm. Right? I, what I want to caution our listeners to is so many times when you hear humility, you link it with meekness, right? Like the, the humble person that's afraid to speak up and they're just, you know what I mean? The world's running over them. That's not what humility is, right? Um and it's really easy to think, you know, to, to go down that road. Um, humility is empathy. And empathy is not weakness. Empathy is understanding the factors that drive human performance, understanding how to motivate those, and moving forward, addressing them and moving forward as a group. That, that's, what, that's what humility looks like. You know, in um, Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, he looked at um, all these CEOs that took average companies and they built them where they had um, superior, they were superior in the market. And there's two things that stood out to him. And he said, overwhelmingly, it was the CEO had humility. And the second was an indomitable will to advance the cause of the organization and others. Right? That's, that's what humility is, right? It's, it's, putting, it's putting yourself behind the curtain to let other people shine, right? It's promoting other people. Um, like you said, it, it's, collaboration it's admitting your shortcomings um you see all that stuff lends itself to to high performing teams because you you start there's a humanness to it when there's humility in your leadership because what happens when you're the leader and you have humility you start modeling these behaviors and mm. when you model these behaviors you give an example to everyone on your team what high performance looks like so that's, you know, that's really where it starts and really, you know, why it's so important. So there's a listener driving to work right now, listening to what you just said, and he or she might be asking themselves, how can I tell the difference between imposter syndrome and humility when I show up at work this morning? You know, I think imposter syndrome is telling you you don't belong in the room, right? Mm -hmm. Humility knows you belong in the room, but you don't have to tell everyone you belong in the room. Mm. Mm. I think that's the biggest difference. You know, and, you know, often, David, like leaders that, you know, with the humility piece, leaders that are sometimes, um, you know, a little bit hesitant to lead, those are often the best ones. Right, because they're the ones that are going to work on their tools and prove themselves. Um, realize that they don't have all the answers, so they're going to keep sharpening the axe. 
right? Where the lack of humility, the leader that lacks that, again, that's Michael Scott. That's the person with all the answers. And if you don't know a Michael Scott in your organization, you are Michael Scott. Just so <laughs> correct. <clear. laughs> correct. <laughs> we have a Michael Scott. So, Sean, what you're what you're talking about is almost uh, accuracy or or logic or truthfulness that the um, the imposter syndrome is actually misrepresenting what a person is capable of but humility is accurate about what somebody's capable of it's just the choice not to lord it over everybody is that what you're saying in a way absolutely i think humility is the ultimate of confidence in your leadership abilities Mm. right because it's hard to say i'm wrong it's hard to to promote someone that is smarter than you. It's hard to sometimes collaborate when you think your idea is the best idea. That's, those are all hard things to do. Mm-hmm. But humility allows you to do that. You know, and I think that's the power of having humility, it is, is a confidence, an innate confidence in your own ability. Yeah, we're so Sean and I are kind of grooming the next... Uh, kind of like head pit crew the uh, head of the the next head of the pit crew baby syrup cats yeah (laughs) so uh (laughs) but there's just been several things lately where i i was like "Eh, i probably would do that differently but to sean's point you know um i i don't have to be right or it doesn't have to be you know as long as it's not a complete deal breaker where it's gonna blow up the company um it's okay to let people run with stuff you know and 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 get those get their, you know, kind of get their, earn their stripes. Um, sometimes our own lack of humility uh, stunts the growth of others, right? And so we're kind of, we've already kind of said that, but this is kind of like a real instance to where if I had to be right and it had to be what I think needs to happen all the time, you know, how do you develop people behind you? You know, in, in so many organizations and teams, it's not the strength of the CEO or executive level that defines the strength of the company. It's everybody that's coming up behind them. And if we never give them time to develop and to think critically um, or, or to even fail um, because we need to, to be the one that makes those decisions, um, you stunt the growth of the company. And so um, to Sean's point, I mean, I love uh, the, the uh, bridal power is my favorite definition of the word meekness. And so it's not, it's not that you're not powerful or not strong. It's just that you know when to you know when to pull those reins, right? And and sometimes it's time to let the roar out, and sometimes it's time to just whisper and and let everybody else roar for you. Yeah, I think that's a really great example about the the modeling that humility gives other people, because not only are you modeling the acceptance of you know, failure or listening or collaboration or teamwork, but you're also modeling the, the after effects of that. So if you always have to be right, you block people from having their own failures in front of you. And they also miss out on the example about, okay, I failed at this or I was wrong about this. And this is how I recovered and re-aimed and re-cooperated and re-collaborated. And now we have a much better solution. That's a very, in some ways, it's a very long-term and complex modeling. But it's so incredibly valuable. Because, Mike, your point about it's not just the CEO. 
is, is, is spot on because not only is it the successive layers of leadership, but it's the way the entire organization is coordinated and, and oriented that leads to its success. And and that, that, that modeling's in the aggregate, right? It's everything you do, everything you say, everything you stand for. Yeah. Right? So, so, you know, there's leaders on here that, oh, I got to start modeling this. Too late. Your modeling may not be humility, but you, because you, as a leader, everyone's watching everything you do. Mm-hmm. Right? So you don't have a choice. You are modeling either a toxic behavior or behavior that's going to benefit your team. So, mm-hmm. like I said, the best delis that I've ever been to, they have the two big chunks of bread and then the meat is kind of the smallest part. So I think if this is an idiot sandwich, I think the idiot part is over. And then David, I think it's time to pass it along to you, my friend. I'm wondering in the third half, if I should just start with the dangers of too much self-deprecation. <laughs> right. right. Also, uh, all three of us guilty. Yeah. Well, w- my position or statement is that it's really valuable to realize that humility and confidence are not the opposite. They're not opposing things. The way I think about this is that confidence is, it's accurate and it's a realistic belief in yourself, your abilities, your self-reliance, grit, determination, what skills you have. And humility is the lack of your lack of a tendency to lord over people, to put your worldview in front of everyone else. And really, I think we're talking about the absence of arrogance. And so those two things are not opposite, but they're definitely connected. Because if you're too confident, then you're arrogant. If you're too humble, you're not able to communicate your own self-worth. Sean, like you said, you're meek, or that you're your position or your opinion doesn't have value to the group. And so you have to balance humility and confidence as a leader, sort of like, you know, dark and light, yin and yang, right? And I think we've, we've touched on this, so I will just refer to it really, is that the, the main value of that is your example as a leader. People will copy, they'll comply, with what you do and what you don't do. And as Mike has said a number of times over the last few weeks, that, that gets reinforced. And that's a huge part of what happens in the company. And we've also touched on this cultural influence that conflates confidence with arrogance and control. They're not, those are not the same thing. If you're too confident, that really brings out arrogance and arrogant and an arrogant leader doesn't get to learn from the people that he or she works with but if you're humble enough to listen then you'll get the truth and so does anybody out there want their team to continually lie to them just so you hear what a great idea boss i can't wait to put that into into practice all this is sort of centered in this idea of like, you have to be humble enough to recognize that there are things that you don't know and that you need to learn. And you need, those, you need that knowledge to be able to successfully execute your decisions because if you go under the opposite assumption, 
a lot of those decisions, a lot of those actions are going to be wrong. Yeah. So we've talked about, like we talked about the benefits of humility, but if we talk about them in the context of how they're not confidence, I, I just want to list through a couple of things that, that might make sense. There's more capacity in the company collectively than there is just in yourself. Mm. So if you're not humble, and you portray yourself as the hero, you miss out on that capacity, right? You don't have all the answers. If you accept that you don't have all the answers, that's being humble. And not being humble, again, means that you can't learn. I think being confident is a great example for people to have. You can show grit, determination, and your ability to survive from failure. In the end, I think it's impossible to have this confidence and be humble without self-awareness. Because yeah. if you're not aware of your own limitations, if you're not aware of your own skills, if you're not aware of how that plays out in your head, you're, you're going to have a you're going to have a really really difficult time. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I and David, you made me think of a point like humility. Confidence coupled with humility is great leadership. Mm. Confidence uncoupled from humility with no self-awareness is you're a con man, right? Con man is short for confidence man, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's um, someone skilled at winning over your confidence in order to take advantage of you, right? That's, <laughs> those are people that are hiding something. Um, we may yeah. know a couple of people like that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, teenagers. Yeah, teenagers. I mean, people that used to run the country. I mean, we can go a million different directions with this. Um, but you make a really great point. Is is those are two very um, opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, confidence coupled with humility and uncoupled from humility. You either have a a light or a monster. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. uh, that's a really good point. Do you? You know, we've talked about before how sometimes that self-awareness piece is hard for leaders, right? Because they're being told all the things that people want to tell them. How, how do you put checks and balances in place so that, you know, like you said, you are leading with humility and you're not the other guy or girl? I think when it comes to that, like, look, we as a species are really bad at that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, the statistic is that 94% of drivers think that they're above average. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised wow. higher. Wow. <laughs> and I think it's similar for a very educated group, university professors. It's in the 90s someplace that they perceive themselves as being above average or higher than average. So we're predestined almost as a species to not think accurately about ourselves. And Sean, you talked about imposter syndrome. I think that, you know, oftentimes the, 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 the line is skewed or the distribution is skewed so that a disproportionate number of people think that they're far better than they are and a disproportionate number of people think that they're far worse. So yeah. having some sort of even minor practice in self-awareness will help all your self-awareness. So 
writing things down, checking in with people that you trust, and taking a pause. When there's a meeting and everybody's talking or you've let everybody talk, try really hard to pause and not talk as much because you'll learn so much more and you'll have an opportunity for what you're feeling and what you're thinking to come up in your brain without saying it out loud. Yeah, I think that's a real good point, David. You know what I mean? I think, you know, obviously the initial is to just react a lot of times, right? We, mm -hmm. we, 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 we look to respond, right? We, we, we feel like we need to have all the answers, right? Humility, humility allows you to delay that response. Right, you don't have to be on top of everything. I got the answer. I'm right. I'm the. You know what I mean? I think. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, you know, well, you you talk about con men. The yes, some people take get taken advantage of by con men, and by you know some estimations, it's almost a third of the country. But when you're walking down the street in the city, and you see a confidence game or scheme. When you look at it from afar, you can tell that this person is, you know, taking somebody's money. Mm. And you don't really need to know much about the game with the cups and the, you know, seed underneath and all that other sort of stuff. It's, I think it's a natural human instinct that if somebody is too confident, if they're arrogant, we have a subconscious belief that that person is trying to hide something. So if you're in a meeting and you don't let other ideas surface, if you don't let collaboration happen, if everyone in the room understands that they get to talk, but eventually just what you say is going gonna, is gonna to happen, I would, I would place money on all those people in that room think that you have something to hide and that thing that you're trying to hide is probably not good and it's probably something pretty close to weakness or something missing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's somewhere be between, <clears throat> you know, not having the answers to wearing really, really small underwear. Like it's, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, why, why is it so, it's just easier to be, to, it's easier to lack self-awareness and it's easy to be overconfident. You know, why, why is that? Hopefully I don't have to answer for all the rest of humanity. But, <laughs> but you know, self-awareness is, it can be brutal. Yeah. And yep. it can be brutal compared to the bliss of ignorance. And so if you surround yourself with people, say if you're a leader and all the people around you have to do what you say, you've got a little pod of blissful ignorance that you can stay in for quite a long period of time. To be self-aware is to look at yourself either physically in the mirror or theoretically in the mirror and come to terms with all your shortcomings that you kind of advertise to yourself and others that weren't shortcomings. I think that's why it's easier not to be self-aware until the shit hits the fan. Then there's a huge scramble to be self-aware, I think, sometimes. You know, and David, speaking of self-awareness, do you think 
Do you think that confidence and humility grow at the same rate? You know, something that, that, that you know leaders need to watch out for. Do, do you think they move together? Right? Like if you string, you know, a series of victories together, right? And you become more confident and more confident and more confident. Does humility grow at the same rate? Or do we sometimes win so many times in a row that we start to lose some of our humility? I don't think that always happens consistently. But if you're talking about really great performers, Olympic medalists, one of the reasons why they can perform is almost always that they have so much humility that they're willing to look at what they're not doing correctly and make changes. And so being personal friends with people who have reached that level athletically and in business, I would say that almost all of them have a greater, their sense of what they're not capable of and the mistakes that they've made grows along with the list of accomplishments that they start to collect. So Sean, when you said you win a bunch of races or events or whatever it is and your confidence grows, I think in a lot of cases, especially when we're talking about high performers, that confidence grows in a very structured and limited way because they get to know what they're able to do well and they're also getting just as familiar with what they can't do. And so in that way, the confidence and humility grows at the same pace. I think when it doesn't, that's when we see a lot of personal instability. I see that in founders. They get the big investment, they get the first couple of huge quarters of sales or something like that, and it's, they almost get this feeling like they can do no wrong because it hasn't grown at the same, at the same rate. I agree. And and I think that's really important to make sure your eyes are on that. Right. And, and again, you know, making sure that you don't lose that humility, you know, it's, it's one of the things that's got you where, where you're going. Um, and, and I've just seen that a number of times where it's, you know, people were, you know, had both, but they just kept knocking it off. Next thing you know, they're, you know, their business is skyrocketing and they all of a sudden have all the answers and don't want to listen. And, and you just see this humility piece dissipate, um, almost to the point where you're like, who, who are, who's in front of me, mm-hmm. you know? So I just, I think that's a, you make a really good point and it's something for that leaders should really be aware of. When you, you talk about founders, um, getting a, some big wins, I mean, that, that feeds into their passion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they they had this idea and now that idea now has life and their dream has now become the dreams of others. They've bought, they've gotten people to buy into it. Um, it's hard not to be confident or to be, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think passion is a really good thing, but I mean, we've all seen historically how that can be very damaging. And so um, I think just, you know, what, what advice do you have to the founders who are just so passionate and they, and they, they've seen the win and now they just want more wins because they believe that, their their vision their tech company their business can change and impact people so they're going to try to do that so that they can do more of it um how do they guard against that you know as they as they grow well you know the most simplest 
way to look at it is that a business is a really complex organization, especially a new business that has a, a new solution for the market, right? Yeah. And so when, especially in the very beginning, when a, when a founder or a startup has, and I realize this is in our uh, founder podcast, but when somebody's in that position and they have really great wins and it's somewhat similar to when somebody gets a big leadership position and things start to go really well, the, the fundamental question you always have to go back to in that situation is what made those things successful? Because nine times out of 10, if not 99 out of 100, with some perspective, and maybe that perspective is a couple of quarters, a couple of years, some kind of distance, you always look back on it and say, oh, that succeeded for a different reason than I thought it did. Hmm. And the, you, you should have confidence in your skills. You should have confidence that this idea has taken flight, but you should also have some caution because it's almost guaranteed that it's not working out exactly the way you think it's working out. Yeah. That's a, it, that's a great, in my mind, that's a great example to have, why to have confidence and humility at the same time. So if you're a new leader, if this is your first quarter as senior vice president of, you know, all the woodchucks and you're hitting all these goals and things are going well, excellent. You should really be proud of that and you should be happy about that. And you should also be somewhat careful and suspect that it's working out for reasons other than exactly what you think. No, but you make, I mean, Sean, you were talking about the, uh, <laughs> the, the Vegas nights earlier right? and how uh, some early successes kind of mask some of the maybe inconsistencies or, um, you know, just maybe they're the right foundations weren't, weren't in place. And then now that some of that success has waned, um, they're realizing there were steps that were missed along the way. And so I think kind of to what David, what David is saying is like, you know, you can just because um, you, are profitable doesn't mean that your formula for getting there was the reason exactly why <laughs> you're profitable, right? And something, and if we don't know what those things were when they changed, we're not going to know when they change, right? We're not that these things are going to catch us off guard. And so, but we talk about things like humility, and when we're you know every topic that we've talked about, we're talking about foundational things, things that are going to help you withstand any kind of you know withstand any kind of storm because storms are going to come as leaders. So. Humility. I mean, that's got to be one of the key pillars for any any leader. Yes, I agree. Yes. And, you know, when we talk about cultural. So the three of us agree on that. But when we talk about cultural influences, I had somebody say to me last week, the last thing that uh, it was a he the last thing that he wants to see in a leader is humility. Hmm. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> but but that's a very common thing out there, right? You talk about executive presence or, you know, there's all sorts of different terms that 
sort of relate to the military command presence. You have to sound like you know what you're doing. You have to act that way. You have to have the right physical body posture. You have to say the right words. You have to cut people off so they don't talk too much. There's a huge part of business culture that supports that. If I had to guess, the three of us are in the minority when it comes to that. Which is absolutely insane, right? And you, you, you've lived behind the fence that Mike and I have only just peeked behind. Right? But we were on a call this morning, and you know it starts, and Mike and I are kind of just laughing. And the lady's like, oh my gosh, I wish I could start every Monday morning off with you two. It's noon, and she's beaten down on a Monday. Right. Like that, like that's, that's what we're trying to help leaders on this podcast with. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like one of our next episodes should be about happiness. Right. You can enjoy doing this. Right. Mm -hmm. It's about inspiring human brilliance. You don't do that if you always have the answers, if you never promote anyone, if you can't accept, like, you know what I mean? And that's why, again, I'm imploring the four people listening to this podcast lead with (laughs) humility. I, all it takes is one, you know, one ripple effect, and uh, you know, you never go, never know where it'll go from there. That's true. You know, that's about forty-five minutes of us really saying "tame your ego" without actually mentioning the word ego. When you feel like you need to say something as a leader, if you can get into the practice of having a little check, where is this coming from? Is this coming from? my ego? Am I trying to protect myself? Am I, am I trying to make a point? Am I trying to look good? Am I afraid that this other person is going to run away with the meeting and they're going to get promoted and I'm going to get fired and lose my house and get divorced and have to live under a bridge? All because I don't want somebody to say something. I think it's a really good thing for all of us to try to consider as much as possible, is this my ego talking? Or is this logic and caring and supporting somebody? Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is just um, all the wildly successful people that I know, and I mean all, um, have had to pivot at some point. Like their their original plan of what they thought they wanted to do, what the business should look like, the product or services that they were going to provide specifically, there had to be some kind of tweak or change to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you cannot pivot without without humility, you know, because you'll 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 just die on the hill of like, nope, this is it, this is the solution. I'm sticking with it. It's going to make me, it's going to make us so much money. And a lot of people in their unwillingness to pivot um, have drowned really good ideas that could have been tweaked and been brilliant. So um, that's my my takeaway. And my final takeaway is, is the listeners should be pumped, David. I mean, we're asking you to go to work with humility, right? So what we're asking you is to go to work, not have all the answers, promote other people, allow failure, Right? So you don't have to go in and throw a no-hitter tomorrow. That should alleviate a ton of stress for you going into work tomorrow. Right? <laughs> We're asking point, you to yes. do these things. What, what? I don't have to have all the answers? Great. You know. So again, go in there, embrace it, and lead with humility. Excellent points to close on. We completely appreciate your listening. We're taking ideas for what you'd like us to cover. And until next week... Thanks, everyone. Good night.